You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome back to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. My name is Tanner Smith. Happy to host today. And I'm joined by my friends, Kyle Mikulin, our Clear Lake, wow, sorry, Clear Lake student director and also serves on the teaching team, Ryan Layton, Layton, messed up both your names. So good. It's good. Great friends. (laughs) I know it super well. Uh, Ryan Layton is the (laughs) Eager Bay campus pastor, also serves on the teaching team. We've been having fun before we hit record talking about life. Uh, So that's why we're giggly. Um, No, but we're jumping into the book of James. We've been preaching through the book of James all summer, basically, and still have a little ways left in the book of James. But these podcasts have been an opportunity to dig a little deeper, take a closer look, stuff that doesn't make it into a sermon for a Sunday morning. And we get to just dive in and unpack it together. So I'm looking forward to doing that with you guys. Thanks for being on the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. I was laughing though. Y'all were giggling. (laughs) (laughs) There is a difference. There is a difference. I was not giggling. (laughs) Let's jump in. Let's jump in. That'll be the seventh question today. What's the difference between a laugh and a giggle? There we go. Men with beards, it doesn't matter. Okay, so the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Kyle, would you mind reading that? Absolutely. (laughs) Out loud. Yeah, I'll read it. Verse 13 of chapter 4, it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And it is you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Good stuff. Thanks for reading that. Okay, so first question, we asked this, we asked this same, same group of questions on this podcast just to help us to dig deeper, take a closer look. First question is, what's the big idea? What's the main idea that you want people walking out the doors? For people who are listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube, uh, they have already potentially heard from one of you. So remind them, uh, what is it that you wanted them to take away from this sermon? Uh, so really what James is getting at is has to do with how we make plans. Okay. Um, we can make plans in a prideful, arrogant way that leaves God out, or we can leave, we can make plans in a way that recognizes and acknowledges God's will and his role within those plans that we are making. Yeah. So he doesn't have necessarily a problem with plans being made. Mm-hmm. It's more of the heart behind it, whether or not it is coming from a place of arrogance and self-centeredness and control, or is it submitted ultimately to God's will and his control? So we're dealing with a hyper-practical text here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. At first glance, I think it kind of, as you read it, even as I read it, it's like, James, what's the big deal? It's like plan making seems to be a good thing, which I think is why Ryan highlighted and needs to be highlighted is like, it's not the... He's not opposed to plans. Yeah. He's opposed to the posture, the heart motivation that can kind of begin to creep in. So it's like a, a look under the hood, if you will, totally. taking a closer look at some of the motivations of the heart as to how we plan. Yeah. So That's good. That's helpful stuff. So uh, biblical theology is a lens that we try to always look at these texts through. We want to look at how this fits into the greater story of redemption, the story of God bringing heaven to earth, the kingdom of God. 
uh, and creating a people for himself. So we think of the Bible because it is of a great story, a great narrative arc. Uh, and, and at the center of that is Jesus. And so how does this text, this particular text in the middle of the book of James fit into that bigger picture of, of biblical theology? Well, I think um, part of it just falls in the the season uh, or, or kind of the narrative of narrative of scripture. Yeah. Um, we, we, we find that, you know, there's the f- creation, then fall. Uh, and then Jesus has come to redeem that. And we're in the process of restoring all of creation. So that's kind of the biblical narrative from a really big overview. Uh, this text in particular kind of finds itself asking the question of in a fallen and broken world mm. that subject, we're subjected to um, all sorts of brokenness that happens. Yeah. And, and therefore we try to plan and try to kind of operate as I'm going to deal with brokenness based on a schedule or based on um, different tools that we have made available to us. If, if I can just organize everything away, uh, then I can avoid the brokenness that kind of begins to creep into our lives. And so it's kind of this idea where it's like, you don't, even as Christians, we can begin to live somewhat of like an atheistic lifestyle, if you will, like void of God. It's like God saved me, but now with the rest of the stuff, I'll just kind of organize and categorize away. Yeah. So I think, I think part of Part of what James is doing is with with a biblical theological kind of perspective, it's inviting us to kind of see the world rightly kind of in this process of, yes, Jesus has come to redeem, but he's also restoring it. We need to continue to look to him Hmm. for all of those things. That's good. Helpful. Anything to add to that? Uh, Yeah. So I I think, uh, I mean, that's, that's definitely, that is awesome. That's helpful. Um, I I think when I, when I read this, it is, um, it is the everyday example of the the primary sin that is in the world. Interesting. So this all comes down to to pride. It's putting ourselves in the place of God. Yeah. So one of the things to talk about in the message is Tim Keller describes pride as cosmic plagiarism. Hmm. That plagiarism is when you are you um, you take the ideas, you take the work from somebody else, and you pass it off as your own. And so pride, in a sense, is this cosmic plagiarism where we are taking what God has done, and we're passing off as our own, as if we are God. That is that is the the thread that goes throughout Scripture. Yeah. God originally created the world where He is God, and Adam and Eve are. Um, that they are his his people. They're yeah. living submitted to him. That they're looking to him. They uh, they trust in his goodness and his will. And then Genesis three, they decide to put themselves in the place of God, um, yeah. where they then they, they set in course the the human hearts bent away from God. Right. Um, C.S. Lewis calls pride the uh, ultimate or the complete anti God state of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what 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 sin is. Uh, C.S. Lewis also calls pride kind of the, the root of all sin. Yeah. Um, so it's putting ourselves in the place of God, and so you see that all throughout Scripture. That ultimately, uh, Jesus comes to redeem us of that, to then bring in His kingdom, where all those things are being restored the way that God ultimately. Uh, wants it to be, that his will is for it to be, is for us to live uh, in subjection to him, being submitted to him and his will um, through our relationship with Jesus. And then it gets fleshed out in just the everyday yeah. of making plans. I'm gonna go to this place. 
well, there's a, there's a heart that it's either saying, I'm going to this place because I'm calling my shot. I know what's going to happen. I, I live by my own rules and, uh, you know, I'm in control of all things, or I'm going to go to this place, trusting in God's sovereignty and his will, um, that I'm submitted to that. Yeah. So that's a helpful delineation on pride because sometimes we just think of pride as like, oh, I'm, I'm into myself. I think highly of myself or whatever, but pride has like a a deeper root than that, right? Mm -hmm. What you're saying is pride is actually the replacement of God with ourselves in our worldview. Absolutely. I think that's helpful. And then to your point about, you know, the restoration of all things, God bringing his kingdom to earth, which has always been the plan, uh, our submission to his authority is a big Mm -hmm. factor there. Like as citizens of God's kingdom, not just one day, but now how do we submit to him as king, even with the, the daily stuff like making plans? Yep. Cool. Uh, what about systematic theology? So it's where we kind of pinpoint uh, specific doctrines that are found in scripture that are pointed to from other scriptures that we kind of help, that help bring to life those things. So w- what do you see in this text as it pertains to systematic theology? I mean, verse 15, where James instructs us on uh, what we should say, and really he's, he's communicating what should be uh, maybe the words of our hearts more than our actual words that come out of our mouth. Uh, but he says, if the Lord wills. And yeah. so I think that um, there's a whole lot of really helpful stuff if you were to go into like a systematic theology book and uh, look up, you know, what, what does it mean that God wills things to happen? Yeah. It, you know, we, we talk about in this past or in this, uh, in this sermon, uh, how God is ultimately in control of all things. Well, that's problematic when all things in the world around us yeah. seems to be broken. So mm-hmm. how is God willing things to happen and he's in control of things, but yet the world is still broken. Yeah. Is, are there things that are operating outside of God's will or outside of God's control? Um, so that's, I mean, that's for another podcast, I guess. But if you really want to get into, you know, systematic theology about, you know, the sovereignty of God, right, yeah. uh, you know, the will of God, providence, all those things. Uh, Let's just touch on it for a minute. Yeah. We have we have the freedom to camp there for a second. Yeah. And I think it's helpful. A lot of people's ears will probably perk up when they think about that, because that is a, it could be a concerning topic. Like, well, yeah, I mean, tons of bad things happen all the time, not just to me, but to humanity. So well, first of all, what is will? You know, God's will. How would we describe that? And then secondly, what is God's will? Like what, in terms of does everything that happen, is that part of God's plan? Uh, can we can we just explore some of that mystery for a moment? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> just, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, just, <laughs> I'll be jumping there and say so that first. Well, I, think, so I think that James, um, while this seems abrupt to us yeah. because we're in a series where we're in the middle of James. I mean, James started his letter with kind of this discussion of the will mm. of the Lord. And if you remember the context of what James, the people in James day and the church in Jerusalem is experiencing, I mean, it's suffering. It's not yeah. going the way that they would will it That's or the way that they would plan point. it. And so um, James isn't being trite or unkind. He's already built an argument for how people should think about suffering yeah. uh, when things don't go their way in relation to the will of God. So just to go back, are we allowed to do that? Are we allowed to go backwards in no, James? No, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. It's forbidden. I'm going to read James one, two. He just says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness mm. and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. So it, it's this idea that 
James is like, hey, count it joy in the midst of hardship because you have a sovereign God who's in the midst of your suffering working for your good. Yeah. And so um, the will of God, to answer your question that you asked, the will of God is to produce in us a heart or a life that looks more and more like Jesus. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I talk about sanctification, even in my own life, it's like, I, I often will say, man, I love sanctification. I love this idea of being made to look more like Jesus. But at the same time, when it comes practically, it's like, usually it's through some hard stuff. Like yeah. I am changed most through hardship. Right. It's where I, my sin is exposed the most. It's when um, the, the, pride, the pride, the ultimate sin that Ryan was talking about, it's like, that's where those things get fleshed out the most. And so, uh, yeah, God uses hardship in order to conform us more into the image of Christ. Yeah. And so he's stepping into this idea here in, in James chapter four, um, not disconnected right. from what he's already done. Yeah, and his not, intentions are not good. Nine weeks later for his years, this no. is a part of the same letter. That yes, he wrote. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it can be God's will for me to suffer. Uh, I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, I would say yes. Yeah. As, yeah. Yes. As, yeah. That's a tough, mysterious and challenging as that is. There's yes. a lot of mystery there. I, I think that's that is something that people get hung up, even when they see this. It's like, well, hey, I've got plans. And my plans are not, it's like, it's, it's not like I, mm. you know, you, you talked even in the sermon about how these plans are not necessarily like evil plans. They can be fine mm. plans, but that's not really the point. The point is that chaos happens, like life happens. And a part of that is our plans don't go the way that we wanted them to go. Why don't they go the way that we wanted them to go? And what kind of comfort can we have in the midst of that? Mm. Um. Well, some of it is because I think that we have uh, a different will than God sometimes. Like yeah. what we want to have happen might be different than what God necessarily wants to have happen. And in, um, what makes sense to us is, you know, uh, or what makes sense to God or, you know, his, his plan yeah. may not make sense to us. And uh, we should expect that. We, you know, if we're talking about the God of the universe, right. whose ways are not fully known to us at all, then uh, there should be some things that are surprising about him mm. and his will yeah. uh, to us in our everyday lives. Um, so I think part of being a follower of Jesus is growing to align our wills to his. Yeah, uh, That's that's really what uh, one of the purposes of prayer in our life. Uh, I think of the the model prayer or the Lord's prayer in Matthew, where Jesus teaches his disciples, teaches us to pray. And he yeah. says, one of the things that we pray is that your will is done yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. Shows us that it's his will is not always done on earth, right? at least in the timing that we think of. And so we are, we are praying that his will is done on earth as his will is currently perfectly done in heaven. Yeah. Um, and him bringing his kingdom through his church is an answer to that prayer. And one day it will be fully answered where his will on he in heaven will be done on earth perfectly right. in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, so, I mean, the, the life of a follower of Jesus is seeking to align our will to his will, right. even when we don't fully understand what that looks like or understand his timing. Yeah, mm. that stuff surprises us because it seems in the moment 
unnecessary. It seems even harsh just as a parent probably would say that to, sorry, as a, as a child would say that to their parent, like, why are you, why are you putting me through this? Or why is this happening to me or whatever? And as a parent, you see lovingly for your child. No, I have a, I have a greater plan for you, a, a plan to mature you, a plan so that you might, you might grow in your knowledge and your understanding that you might grow as a, as a human in the way that you relate to others. And God has the same for us. So sometimes what you're saying is we can go through things that we don't understand. Our plans can get messed up, but we can trust that God has a greater plan ultimately. Yep. Okay. Amazing. And I think that taps on another, like when we're talking about systematic theology, another theological concept that's in um, James four, is just what is life? Yeah. He asked that question. What is life? Like, what is what? What are human beings? And he yeah. refers to them as a mist or a vapor. Like, we're limited in our capacities in every sense. And then mm-hmm. you compare that to the sovereign God of the universe, who rules and reigns over all things. So when we ask the question, it's like, why does He will suffering? Um, I, I think part of part of the thing that we have to submit ourselves to uh, is this idea that his ways are above and beyond our ways. And he has, it's not that he's, it's not just that like within his, um, his will is to bring about, I mean, Romans eight, all things work together for good to right. those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. Yeah, And so it is for his good in the process of living life. God is saying, I will use every moment, not one moment of your life is a waste yeah, for those good. who have been found in my family. So yeah. he's doing that work in us and through us. And yeah, that inc- includes like all of life. Yeah, no, that's like you said the word earlier, mystery. I mean, that is the, we don't understand it. Even a lot of the things at the end of our life, we might still have questions. Like how did this work? How did that work? But I, I believe standing before Jesus, you know, when he brings his kingdom to earth and just saying like, okay, I, I, tr- I, I see now the way that you just made a beautiful tapestry out of the existence of all of the world. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can see your hand at work in all of it. Whereas right now we see through a mirror dimly lit, lit but then we'll see clearly. So thanks for camping there for a second, just yeah. cause I think it's helpful for people <laughs> as they read through this text. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that might've even been part of it, but what other, facets to this text that you have to leave out as you're writing the sermon. We can't always say everything you want to say or pack everything into a 30, 35 minute talk. So what, what got left on the cutting room floor that would be fun to chat about here? Uh, you know, that, that definitely did, or at least like to that extent. Um, I think for me in this, in this sermon, I, I'm, I want it to be as practical as possible. And so there's a, so many different ways that you can apply this because yeah. Uh, really, we, we talk about how um, this expression that's in verse 13 about, hey, we're going to go to such such town and we're going to do business and we're going to make this profit. Right. Um, it's an expression of a heart of, of pride. You know, he talk, talks about uh, it being uh, boasting in your arrogance in verse 16. So we start thinking about what does pride really look like in our everyday lives? Well, a lot of times it looks like this control, this sense of control mm-hmm. that we want to be able to control the outcomes. We want to be able to control whether or not we're going to go to such and such town and make a profit. And so just thinking about what does that look like in our everyday life? And so try to give some different examples. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, my mind goes to maybe people's plans for the financial future, especially since this passage is dealing with mm-hmm. people who are thinking about making a profit and doing right. business. Um, but there's just a lot of different other examples I started thinking of that's like, 
all right, at a certain point, I can't just, you know, have a whole, whole list of them. But yeah. I mean, um, one, I, I, I end up not really talking about in there, but I, I think a, a, an example is there is, there's kind of this growing trend or growing industry around longevity mm. and physical health, which again, you know, it's funny because this whole passage, they're all good things, yeah. right? It's good things to make right, plans. Yeah. It's good things to plan for their financial future. Also, it's good to, to make uh, healthy choices for your body and mind and all yeah, those we, things. Yeah, we would say if someone's not doing that thing that they're being unwise yeah, in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, yep. and it's all those things. Um, I do feel like though is when you are when you see the advertisements and the way that's talked about in podcasts and yeah. whatever it is w within the, let's say like the, the secular world, there is this, uh, there is this like prideful putting your place, putting yourself in the place of God. Mm -hmm. Like it's, for, it's forgetting that, you know, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and yeah. then vanishes. Um, and so I don't know, there's just some things I, I wanted to flesh out a little bit more on, on that, just because I just do see that as a growing trend. And it's like, that's a good thing. You should pursue physical health, uh, but yet pursue physical health under the, the banner of, if the Lord wills, yeah. we will live. I mean, that's what James says. If the Lord will, wills, we will live and do this or that. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's talking about. Like yeah. he, he holds your very life. So yes, pursue healthy living and all those different things, but but don't think for a moment that you are somehow in control of yeah. the duration and the direction of your life. That just because you swapped out everything for a salad every day, that that means you're going to for sure live until you're yeah. 100. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was just something I cut out. Another exa example, no major you know movement within the sermon, but yeah. just an example that I thought was interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there was... Um... So kind of, you know, within the context of the sovereignty of God, obviously there are tons of practical applications that you can make in that. In the relation to planning, like we said already, James isn't saying that planning is wrong, but he's yeah. really talking about the posture of how we plan. Uh, something that probably didn't make it into the, the final manuscript for Sunday uh, is is really the kind of the aftermath of that. So once we get the posture of how we're supposed to plan submitted to his lordship, to, submitted to his sovereignty, knowing that my plans can fail, I, I, I bring my plans to him and submit them to him. So that's the posture of how I'm supposed to bring about my plans. Right. But what about the contents of my plan? So once I get the posture right, is that gonna make any impact on the contents or the what of my plans? Yeah. Uh, because if I've acknowledged that God is sovereign over the times, he is sovereign over all things, then I've come to this place where I've made this acknowledgement or this yeah. realization that my time is not my own. Mm. So uh, therefore, then what I plan, should what I plan look different as a follower of Jesus, yeah. submitted to the Lordship of Christ, uh, should it look different in the than than the world around me? Yeah. Um, so I, I mentioned that briefly, but not uh, not as in depth as I would like to. Like, should so using the merchants or the business person of the day? Yeah. Should my time be spent with the motivation of money? Right. Like maybe the rest of the world might be. Yeah. Or does my submission to Jesus begin to kind of change even the contents of mm. my planning a little bit? Yeah, that's really good. But you said that got cut. <laughs> <laughs> it might, yeah. yeah. It it might have made its way in there a little that's more what I'm than. Saying, but it's like that's yeah. That is it's well. It goes back to what you said earlier, where 
if the sort of the aim, even for prayer, right? We talk about prayers, not just, not as a means of getting to God to do what we want him to do, but as a means of us starting to want the things that God wants. So the more we posture our, our hearts in humility before the Lord, the more he begins to even change up our desires for the things that we want from the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's we, good. I mean, you just thinking about, yeah. So, I mean, He's talking about plans and how you should view your plans. I mean, even just the, uh, what's the, what's the process of you making those plans? How is God in the center of those? Yeah. And you being directed in prayer or through prayer uh, by the Lord in making those plans. Yeah. And one of the things that I end up not talking about as much, but is definitely in this passage in some ways is how you, you get this picture of God that he is over all of these, the big parts of, of life in just the universe as a whole. So God is sovereign over all things. He's in control of all things. He's sovereign over uh, your life itself. But then God also has concern for even just the, the mm-hmm. everyday decisions that are go along with someone making making the business decision. Yeah. We're gonna go to this town and we're gonna do, we're gonna trade and we're gonna make a profit. That he he has concerns for that in your life. Mm. And I think that if we lived in that way, like if we did our work that way, we parented in that way, that we, we're just aware at every moment that God has concern for this yeah. decision and this email you're sending and all. So not just the big stuff, but even the small everyday things that we yeah. think are inconsequential that God says, no, that's, I'm in the middle of all that, you know? Yeah. So um, that's yeah. good. That's the way Jesus talked about sovereignty when he said, you know, even a sparrow, like not even a sparrow falls without God's knowledge of it. Like yep. God cares and knows about the most intricate details mm-hmm. of the, the way the universe works. Yep. So it's just, it's good insight into God's heart, God's affection and love for us. Yep. So it's kind of the, we, we, if the Lord wills, we will live the yeah. big stuff and then do this or that. It was just, yeah. like, just like the, the way little it did. stuff too. Yeah. All the little, this or that, that we all yeah. do, you know? So that's awesome. Uh, so this being such a practical text, uh, what, what are the practical applications? And maybe you did, maybe you didn't get to go into this in your sermon, but like, what are, are some of the ways that, especially people that are listening to this podcast, they're already trying to take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this text. And they're like, okay, but how, what, how do, so if we're talking about changing the posture of our heart to be more humble to God, how do I do that? How do I go about that? I'll let you t- jump in this. Right? <laughs> oh, you got yeah. you back yeah, for you. Got yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for my mom. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the good thing about preaching is you just get to talk about your own sin, but you get to talk about it to other people, really. Yeah. You just, you know, so I, I mean, I think that I, I struggle with control. Mm-hmm. Uh, I struggle with, I mean, I struggle with, with pride and wanting things my way. Um, uh, I struggle with, making plans that's, you know, that are wise, they make sense to me. Yep, we should go ahead and pursue those things and do all those things really without considering God at all. But under maybe the, um, under the umbrella, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm I'm trusting that God is involved in there, but like, I'm not really explicitly thinking that as much. So, uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's been convicting for me to think about that. I mean, especially the whole, the, the, the phrase, if the Lord wills, which I don't think James is necessarily saying, you have to say, if the Lord yeah. wills yeah. before everything that, you, you know, that you're gonna plan for, for the future. Um, but it, it probably would be a really interesting exercise to try to do that for a day yeah. or for an hour. You know? yeah. If the Lord wills, I'm gonna go to this meeting in an hour you know, yeah. or whatever. Um, just to always be aware of mm. God's presence because it really is easy just to go about your day 
and not really be aware of his presence, yeah. you know, and not be concerned for his will and not mm. trying to align your will to his will. So, um, I mean, some of the examples I give in the, um, in the message are, are personal ones for me as well that, uh, Again, you're just talking about your own sin, so it's easy. It makes it easier to preach whenever you feel like this is what I need to hear. Yeah. Um, so probably that longevity one, the physical health one, is probably something that like uh, is for me, even though I end up cutting it. But talking there about uh, financial future, you know. So now I'm at the age where. Uh, I'm still a long way off from retirement, but I'm at that age where it's like, I better make sure that I'm doing okay. Otherwise yeah. I'm gonna look up in a couple of decades and wish, man, I wish I would have done something whenever I was in my my forties. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have kids that will be going to college in you know, less than 10 years. Yeah. Um, uh, other expense, I mean, you know, they'll be driving. I mean, just it's yeah. life is gonna get more and more expensive. And so um, I'm trying to do wise planning for those things. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm talking the message. You can go on your retirement app and you can see the projection of how much your portfolio is going to be worth at certain ages. And so that way you can plan and all those things. And what's, it's funny because you can, you can even adjust what you, what the, the, uh, the market might do. Oh, if it's 6%, this huh. much, if it's 8%, okay. If you, if you contributed this much or this yeah. little, all those, all those things, it, it starts to get wrapped up in your heart that like, oh, I'm, I'm in control. All I have to, if I just bump that up 1%. Oh, look at that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm set. Wow. Oh, but if it goes down, you know, and it's like, well, this is all, this totally. is all like make-believe, you know, yeah. it's, it's not, it hasn't happened yet, but it makes you start to feel like, all right, I'm in this, I'm in control. I can yeah. make sure that everything is set. So when I hit whatever age, okay, now, you know, now I can retire from at least a, a pain role and be able to serve the rest of my, my life, uh, in a non-pain role, you know, yeah. um, parenting the same thing. That was another example I gave in there. I mean, my kids are, you know, uh, late elementary, junior high age. So I'm in, I'm in that time where it's, it's the sweet spot where they can feed themselves so that I don't have to take care of them as much, but they're not teenagers yet, yeah. but they're going to be teenagers. Right. And uh, man, that, that'll scare you, you know, to think about- <laughs> I'm not ready. Yeah, well, it's, it, you know, to think about the influences and what might come their way. And so they're slowly, yeah. they're slowly moving out of your control, out of your house. And so other voices are now taking a more prominent role in their life than mine and, and my wife's. And yeah. um, man, that, that control is, is hard. And so what do I do with that? Yeah. Do I, you know, exert, exert my control some more like all right, right so here are these boundaries and here are the okay you know boundaries are good they're helpful but you know you do have to let go and you yeah. have to to trust that the lord is going to be at work and that uh even if even if they crash you know that that he's still good and he's there to restore them and restore yeah. you and uh anyway so no, just thinking about yeah how, how do you how do you release control in your life <laughs> you know those are the things that i'm trying to control and uh yeah. i have to Give that up to God. Yeah, yeah, man, that's really good. I mean, and I know you. You're you're a planner. Like you guys are going on vacation, and you have like all of it mapped out and planned. And I, I respect that. But it's like, yeah. At what point are you planning out of a fear of losing control? And at what point are you surrendering that to God? So thank thank you for your vulnerability about that because it's yeah. that's like really healthy for you to recognize, okay, what's driving me? What, what's behind this and how can I continue to surrender that to God? Kyle, what about you? So we're talking practical 
but I think it's it's extremely practical to hear, yeah. as Ryan said, just for your own, from your own perspective, how the Spirit's spoken to you through this text. So for you, what was that? Yeah, I think, well, I think it's in a similar kind of thread as what Ryan was saying, but like when you begin to feel that control complex, when I feel that control complex come in my life, it usually triggers... Um, a particular response, mm-hmm. whether that be anxiety or anger or frustration, when I'm like losing that control, when it's like right. slipping from my grasps. Yep. Um, so what do you do with it? I, I think, well, first of all, I think it's, you know, uh, God wants to hear those things. Like, like if I'm anxious because I feel like control is slipping, like my plan isn't working out the way that I thought it was, I can try to grab tighter and control more, but that affects relationships. It'll break relationships. It will hurt people around you. You'll use people as pawns in your game of trying to live the life or the plan that you wanted. Or you can say, go to God through prayer and say, God, I'm anxious about this. Here's like... I'm submitting, I'm bringing this to the one who has ultimate control. So it's not that I have to live my life mm. void of feeling any of the emotions that come with things not going the way that I thought they should. Yeah. Um, but God is extremely personal and he wants to, I've had to remember that even myself. If ang- anger for me is what creeps up most readily in my heart. Yeah. When things stop going my way, you know, ask my wife, she's like, yeah. you just get a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more hostile, yeah. a little bit more defensive, all of those sorts of things. Um, and I'm sure there's other, but that's the one that I've noticed the most in myself. Yeah. And so uh, what do I do with that? Well, I think God wants to hear those things. This is making me angry yeah. because, and they're usually rooted to and can be rooted to like good things. like. You were talking about kids and like things that God cares about, like your children, the things that you love. Uh, The problem isn't always um, our emotional responses to those things, what we're experiencing in the moment, but that we try to still deal with it on our own without taking that to the one who's ultimately sovereign, ultimately in control and ultimately cares the most for us and whatever it is that we care about in the process of that. That's so good. I'm hearing a common thread really honestly through our whole conversation, which is, which is prayer, mm-hmm. which is when we're planning to prayerfully plan, it's helpful to say, like you were saying earlier, God change my own desires to be more towards yours. So as I'm planning for my future, let my, my hopes for my future reflect your will for my future um, amidst the, the, the process of things going wrong to prayerfully talk to God and just say like, man, I am, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm fearful about this. How, how can I, uh, God, how can I release my control here? And then as well, when everything hits the fan and you're left with like, man, I did not handle that correctly, mm-hmm. just prayer of repentance as well. So uh, seems like prayer is kind of the, the practical, the way for us to, to grow in that surrendered, humbled mm-hmm. posture. Yeah. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you guys want to leave on the table? Nope. Cool. We left it all on the table, boys. <laughs> Good work. Uh, well, thanks for joining us on the Clear Creek Resources podcast today. Um, guys, I think that this text is going to be extremely helpful for our people because the culture in which we live is one that we plan. It's one that we grip our lives and tighten our fists around control. And so for us as a church to just take a humble posture and say, God, if you will it, it'll happen. Mm. And I trust you is 
is one uh, that's the posture we need to make. So thank you for your the way that you serve our church in expositing the word of God and teaching us. Grateful for both of you. Thank you, man. Yep, cool. Thanks. See you next time. All right.